When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed. And that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. So, in an unexpected, I think from my point of view anyway, as soon as it went to 2-2, thought we was. In an unexpected turn of events, Everton have beaten Hull City 3-2 in the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, I am joined for this post-match reaction by Matt Flusk. Rob Vera. Um, I'll come to you first. Oh, hold on. Sorry, I've got I've got the, the video on my screen there and it just kicked in the audio. Anyway, um, Matt, I'll come to you first. So um what were your first thoughts upon this game? Um, I mean, did did you think this would be a classic case of Everton getting ditched out in the third round? No, well, I said on the spaces before the game, I thought it was like 75% we probably beat them just because they're not very good. I know we aren't, but God, it was hard work, wasn't it? We did make hard work of it. You like, think, just, as you just... said, they're not very good. And I think after the first, what, well, they went, they went ahead in the 30 seconds. I missed the goal. I'd gone the shot. <laughs> I got back and it was 1-0. Um, yeah. yeah, I went to the shop and the teams were coming out. Got back 1-0 already. But yeah, it, it was like they, they sort of took that early initiative and you thought, oh, Christ, here we go. <laughs> I think we did make yeah. them. I mean, they say there's no bad way to win a cup tie, but I think that was the bad way, wasn't it? It wasn't ideal. But, you know, we're in the half of the next round. That's the main thing. But, I don't know, I think it has still thrown up a lot of questions. It's probably thrown up more questions than it's answered, that one. Um, Rob, what did you make of the whole... We'll go into the whole thing, first of all, and then we'll pick up on the nuances of the game as we go on. But what did you make of the, of the cup tie overall? Oh man, I suppose in some, I mean, I called, I think I picked a 3-1 Everton win to start. So I'm only off by a goal. And yet somehow for, somehow in a game where five combined goals were scored and we went to extra time, that felt so tedious. Um, (laughs) It just felt so tedious. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wondered, I wondered how quickly, you know, how many minutes into this post-match we would have the term in the hat uh, <laughs> come out and, and it, it did not disappoint. That came I'm glad uh, pretty, disappoint. pretty quickly. If anything, I have a disappointment, but not on this case. Well, so I, I guess I, I guess, okay, look, uh, let's, let's bottom line it. It's a win. Um, we, we don't win very much, so we'll take wins. Uh, so I, from that standpoint, that's good. I, I think that we could have just as easily won without the manager making it so difficult for us to win with some of the substitutions. Um, 
pet, you know, Ped from Toffee TV probably had the the tweet that that touched that that I felt the most during that match, which was that Solomon Rondon is the hill that Benitez is going is prepared to die on. It's going to die on. I, I don't, I, I I don't understand. And and John Philippe Gabaman, God love JPEG, who I certainly uh, had high hopes for when he first arrived uh, at, at Everton. What an odd, completely unnecessary and you know complete just completely for no good reason substitution at the end of normal time i i but but again there's just so much of that i i don't understand i i didn't understand the starting 11 i didn't understand you know why why it seems like the manager insists on trying to out clever everybody i i think that's it's almost like it's almost like we're supposed to react with, huh, that doesn't make much sense to have three right backs in the squad or five at the back against, you know, one of the worst teams in the championship. Like, I, I, I don't know. It just seems like, like we're supposed to react that way so that he can be like, oh, but believe me, I'm playing 4D chess in a way that you all just can't understand that your, <laughs> your, your thick football brains just don't have, have the uh, ability to, to comprehend. And maybe, maybe that's true. Uh, as I like to, as I proudly say, I am the, the, the football dummy of the blue room, but I don't really get, I don't really get why it had to be the way that it was. Um, the, the VAR stuff, I, I, I'm going to touch on that, and then I, I don't necessarily need to talk about it again, even though you guys might want to. So, so if you do, fine. Um, I still don't understand how this football pyramid, uh, this football pyramid that we talk about so lovingly and, and, and something that we have to save, is just literally a wash with cash at the top level. And yet for one of the oldest trophy competitions on planet Earth, we, we, we just sort of accept that, oh, well, you know, there's no way in that part of England uh, for VAR technology to work. The satellites aren't aligned correctly. There's just there's no way that cameras can work. I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't even know if anyone could get phone service in Hull tonight. I mean, apparently it's just it's stuck in the 60s or 70s or something. But uh, there were two clear two not even remotely controversial, but two just clear penalties uh, that were missed. And you take the lack of VAR technology and it meets the, you know, that the, the unstoppable force of a lack of VAR meeting the immovable object that is Kevin friends incompetency. And once again, you sort of had the, the thing that, that just the combo platter of this thing we watch every week, which is it's one thing to watch a bad team. It's another to watch a bad team and a poorly officiated uh, under under funded apparently uh, competition uh, that, that goes to extra time of all things but hey we're in the hat guys uh, and so I guess we can we can take it from there and and uh, you know look on to better days we'll get on to talking about more positive things uh, but I, I will say that you know for as much as I was thinking I'm going to be talking a lot about Anthony Gordon I'm going to be talking about the uh, John Joe Kenny sons uh, and I'm going to be talking about the uh, I, I'm going to be talking about Damari Gray. I, I, I'm just I am I am bemused by the fact that on Andrus Townsend came came on at all for Gordon, even though I, I know I guess he's the manager gets the last laugh because Townsend scored a, a goal that required some of the worst goalkeeping I've ever seen to, to look like a worldie. So that's kind of where I'm at in terms of the game. I will I will I will pick up on the VAR thing first because it is a huge issue uh, you know that game could could feasibly have been completely out of sight had the referee won had the balls to actually give the decision that he seen was right on the pitch because in real time those decisions were just they were both clear clear penalties um, but the ref bottled out them both and you kind of think is this the privilege that Premier League referees have got now because they have got the luxury of VAR they can see a decision that they maybe think Oh, I'm not sure about that. They can see that decision and think, it's going to bail me out. And tonight it wasn't because we've got this ludicrous decision again. As we saw at Millwall a couple of years back um, when you know, they, they should have had their goal. This last. I mean, we were shite at Millwall. We deserved to go out. But they did score a goal that was handball. And VAR would have seen it and given it as handball. But because of the way this whole weird structure goes, 
some games have VAR, some games shouldn't. I think it really should be the case that if you're in a competition, all games have VAR or all games don't. So Premier League, they've all got VAR or they've not. FA Cup, doesn't matter where you're playing. And to be fair, Hull is a big city. It's a good city. And it's, Christ, the whole Hull's ground used to be called the Kingston Communications Stadium, the KC Stadium, because it was literally owned by a fucking communications company. <laughs> you can get VAR. Christ knows what hope anyone got. But it's just, it's an absolute farce that, that we've got this situation whereby some games can be, you know, on the coin toss. VAR. Some games can go the other way because it's not there. Tonight, Everton should have had two clear-cut penalties. We probably didn't deserve If we'd won that game 4-1, it would have been completely undeserved. We probably didn't deserve to win it 3-2. But the fact is, we should have had two penalties. We didn't get them. Kevin Friends, for my mind, shit out of those decisions that he could yeah. easily have made because we saw it in real time. He saw it in real time. The second one, he was right in front of it. The player's arms behind his back. He's like this. And he doesn't give it. And, you know, the commentary, the commentary team is saying it could have been a natural position. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But, Matt, what do you think? Of, I think it's a complete farce. You know, we, we've got through. It's brilliant. That's great. That's the main thing. But, you know, games, games can hang on those decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the gun shy is the top and bottom of it. Like you say, they've had VAR to bail them out or... It's just, it might even just be a case of they're out of practice of making those split second decisions and, you know, putting the bottle on the line. But I mean, the issue about not having VAR in the competition is obviously a big problem. But how, how many games are there in the third round? 32 games or something still like that? Or maybe even more? More than anything. That's more than that. Yeah. We'll Four games? Eight, four, two. So it's 50 odd. Is it? Maybe even more, 60 well, odd. 64 then. There's a lot of games in there anyway. It'll be a part of two, but what I'm saying is it might be rather than a technology issue, a personnel issue, because when you've got that many games on in one weekend, don't forget VARs, you do need two referees in that room. Yeah. So, I mean... I can, it could be kind a case of... where they just, they just say then we've not got the capacity for it, just don't use it anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we have seen it in other years and other competitions where certain teams have got decisions further down the line in you know later games or something or even there's been decisions on the same day in the same hour where one had VAR and one didn't and Uh, yeah yeah. I'm sorry but and Matt Matt you are being very gracious to try to provide uh, an excuse here but (laughs) I'm sorry the the notion well I mean am I oversimplifying this uh you know hire more people oh yeah you know there's an unmet need here. There's billions and billions of pounds of revenue that, that flood into this sport every year from around the world. So don't tell me that we can't afford to staff the VAR room in this London is, or whatever. This is how the UK works. Gosh, the boys. There's, there's, money, there's, money, is, ev- yeah. there's money everywhere in the UK, but we've just not got enough of the sort of vital services that we need. Uh, yeah. I, it goes I, all I, across yeah. the board. You know, and VAR, VAR has become a vital service in football. And we just yeah. fund it. Yeah, but but look, I, it's just I, it, it's silly that we should. And by the way, even if we had had no decisions go against us tonight, um, everything we're saying is still true. There's no point in having I, having a competition. Uh, and I say this uh, somewhat tongue in cheek, talking about a, a sport who is literally built on massive uh, in, in, inequality and gaps in, in financial power and those sorts of things. But having a competition where where people where where clubs are in it ostensibly, you know, with the same kind of criteria to win in advance and get to a final, and then them not playing under the same set of rules. You know, it would almost it, it it almost feels like well, look for these away games at the championship. Like we're gonna have one linesman instead of two. Um, <laughs> we just can't afford. Like it's almost like it, we would find that to be absurd, and yet we're a lot of people are just kind of like, oh yeah, I guess we don't have VAR tonight. As if well, that's the, acceptable. The, that's not acceptable. It's ridiculous. The, the best the best example of that was Millwall the other year when. Their players handballed it and then scored. It literally got shown on the big screen, <laughs> the ground. And their manager is saying to whoever he can, get that look in case the referee sees it. They literally had 
VAR there, but without having VAR there, it was yeah. fuck. And it just shows what an absolute shambles the whole <laughs> is. I mean, the good news is for us tonight anyway that we went, we got through anyway. We yeah. managed somehow to eke a result out of that, which I, I genuinely, I, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one. Did we, did we deserve to win that? We didn't play particularly well in any, you know. I we think won. We had the first, what, five minutes? We probably had the next 20. But I don't think we played well at any point. If that had been a league game, Les, uh, and there was no no extra time and, and, you know, penalties potentially looming, I don't know that we could have made a really great argument for why we should have won. I mean, I think you probably – I think a draw would have been a somewhat fair result given that Hull definitely played better than we did for, you know, a few decent stretches, including the first 20 minutes of the game. And, and that's, and this, this slow start, this slow start uh, malaise that we seem to just constantly have uh, under, I don't know, is it this manager? I don't know the last few managers. It really is just so, it makes everything so much harder than it has to be. Yeah. I think we've had a slow start thing on the quite a few managers in the past. Benitez, we seem to have a goal behind thing. Yeah. It's 13 games now we've gone behind. I think it was something ridiculous where we've gone behind in so many games. When we played Southampton, we went behind. It was like, oh, God, this was shit. And then we won. I was like, oh, my God, this team has finally shown some character (laughs) from behind. But now we've got in this horrible position where we're just going behind in games all the time. And sometimes we'll claw it back, which is great. But other times we won't, thankfully. Today, we did. Uh, we got the most points from losing positions this season in the league. Oh, awful, yeah. Because we go behind so often. <laughs> All the time. So, yeah. Well, and, and by the way, I think about how funny that is given how few wins we've got. But I think what's interesting, and I think tonight sort of followed that pattern, is I w- whenever the question about the manager comes up, I, I always – you know, I kind of sort through the the myriad of of different arguments. Um, and by the way, I, I I cannot tell you how exasperating it is to watch a broadcast of an of an Everton game, them refer to our current struggles, and then make reference to the idea that because Rafa Benitez used to manage Liverpool, that we are up we're pretty unhappy with him like we're so far beyond that i don't even think about that very much but what i always come back to is the the question of is the manager taking what he has got at his disposal and making us better than the sum of our parts or worse than the sum of our parts or i guess the third option would be he's getting about as much as he can get out of this group I don't know. And I, and with, I acknowledge all the caveats, but as I said on the spaces to, to you, Les, at a certain point, you lose so many games and you drop so many points that all the caveats about injuries and uh, hard luck and whatever you want to throw, you know, lack of transfer funds. I mean, I've heard it all. I get it. I know that those are all factors. But at a certain point, the number of losses and the bad performances piling up are so great that you, you have to look at the question of is, is, is he taking this group and making us any better or is he actually making us worse? And it's hard when you look at the, the decision making on substitutions, the starts, the three right backs in the squad, starting two of them in the starting 11, like there's a million of these types of things that, and I guess Coleman might've been part of three at a three at the back tonight. Maybe Uh, boy, that says something for Mason Holgate, if that's really the case, (laughs) but I mean, that's, it's just, it just continues to be the same thing we're always talking about. And uh, look, there's, there's a win tonight, but it, it was one of those wins, much like the Damari gray winner against Arsenal or, um, when Townsend has had to, to score a worldie to pull us out of the fire, it, it, it feels like we get points uh, or we get a win every once in a blue moon, despite yeah. the manager. And it's taking some sort of like, in this case tonight, it's taking, and as much as Townsend has scored some really nice looking goals for us. Shot. Yeah, that was that was a shocking display of goalkeeping to, yeah. to let that in. So 
you know, he got that. And then of course, gray against Arsenal. And, you know, you, you, you have a few of these and, and it's, you just keep coming back to this notion that the irony of the kind of narrative of Rafa Benitez being unlucky is that he's actually lucky to have gotten even the results that he has gotten uh given given um how much he has served to sabotage proceedings himself yeah we we've had comments um mr titler said we're getting worse every game this is absolutely abysmal and someone said we can't we're kind of make getting results like that in spite of when he says sorry can't see who it was um oh sorry O'Brien, I think we won in spite of Benitez, definitely not because of him. And that's kind of how it feels. It, it's like we should be just made up within the next round of the cup because there's nothing more depressing in football than when you get to the next round of the FA Cup and you're not in the draw and you're seeing teams getting drawn out and you've been knocked out. It does feel like we're just prolonging the agony at this point. It's like, I mean, people have said it here. We're going to get Chelsea or Man City next round. That is almost nailed on, by the way. It yeah. will probably happen. But you hope, but you hope, Les, that, and again, I'm, I'm trying to be positive here. You hope that by then, by the next round, that you're getting, you're getting some players back. Maybe Calvert-Lewin is, is kind of, is back to being some semblance of himself and Richarlison's back and, you know, I, I don't know, uh, but I will say that as long as the back line continues to look like this and it be this big mess that I don't even know that, you know, as much as you say, well, we'll definitely draw City next round. I'm not sure if we struggled this much tonight against Hull, uh, who is the opponent that is one that we would breathe a sigh of relief with? I, I just don't know who that would be. As long as the manager continues to insist on dying on the hill of not playing three central midfielders or playing Rondon when he's got, uh, you know, when he's got other options that like Chink Tosin in five minutes looked better than Rondon to, did tonight. He looked more dangerous. And that is a low bar, y'all. That is a really low bar. And that's what's so frustrating. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, so two theorists here said, honestly, a good position for Seamus is right centre back. Not sure about that, to be honest. I think because he's very solid. Like, he did okay, but he's, he's never a centre back. Um, I think right back's looking a bit of a dodgy position for I'd him. never have him as a centre back in the two. That would just be asking for trouble. But in a three, yeah. he's got enough cover, generous word cover around him. How tall is Seamus? Five nine, five ten. Yeah, he's, he's taller than you think. He's definitely under the six foot. A little bit. Five nine is about what I thought. A yeah. little bit taller than me. Not as tall as you, but definitely not as tall as you, Matt. <laughs> definitely not. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think about that? Then the fact that we maybe won this game in spite of what he says. I'm not sure because I I think those players go out and do exactly what they tell them to, which is kind of shown in those goals we're conceding. We didn't tonight, but we could have done whereby the opposition has a corner, gets whipped in, centre-backs are marked, the three centre-backs are marked, and one player is two free at the back post. Um, it happened again tonight, but Hull didn't score from, from it. It was early on in the game, but it's a recurring thing now, and it's... I, I don't know if we are winning in spite of his tactics. For me, Benitez definitely seems to be forcing these tactics on players that are not comfortable with it, do not want to play to these tactics, but... There's no one on that side to get a grip of anyone to say, look, right, the game's on. Let's just do this at a corner, for instance, to say, do you know what? Let's not leave those two players at the back. You go and mark him. I'll stay here, do our own thing. Matt, what, what do you think? Do you think do you think this is a good thing that Benitez... This is quite a loaded question, but do you think this is a good thing that Benitez is forcing this among, on the players in the hope that they will eventually adopt what he thinks... Is a winning formula. It might not be. I know he had the same problems at Liverpool with his zonal marking. Don't want to talk about zonal marking at all, but he had the same issues. He had the luxury of time at Liverpool. He's not got that here. Do you think, do you think we've got the, do you think these players have got the character to win in spite of him? Or are we just kind of getting the odd results in 10 doing what he's saying? I'll, well, I'll be very rude and I'll answer your question with another question. Do you feel like we've got momentum after this result now? No, that's that that is a very good question. Did what, you feel like we had momentum after the Arsenal game? No, when, maybe when because Rob of the manner was... of it in a bit, but 
like in both of those games, which are, you know, well, I am right in saying they're our last two wins, aren't they, in any competition? Yeah. We've basically limped over the line or snatched it at the end. So if we're not carrying momentum into games, you know, barring any kind of postponements again because of suspected, supposed COVID cases after their little jaunt to the darts. We're supposed to be playing Leicester in three days, little over three days in the Tuesday. Yeah. But Damari Gray, he was absolutely dead on his feet at the end there. Like, it wasn't even a case of he was chasing balls and couldn't catch them. He wasn't even chasing them towards the end. He was just completely gone, completely finished. Was Gordon He's, injured? Was there something wrong with Gordon? That, that I didn't think, think, so, think right. so, no. 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 I think that was a, that was a tough decision. Mm. Yeah. Take off your brightest player. Well, but yeah. see, that's the that's the the maddening part, right? Because again, let's say I want to try to do the thing where I, you know, give a little benefit of the doubt here, or try to look at at, at the positives. Let's so take the first half for instance. We were abject for the first twenty minutes. Um, to to concede within forty five seconds or whatever was really embarrassing, and of course, it it set a, a certain tone, but. To the credit of of the group out there, they did seem to really pull it together. Started playing, you know, creating chances. Uh, in particular, uh, Gordon and and again, John Joe Kenny gets a really nice assist for Andre Gomez, who hadn't scored in ten years, from what I can recall. It was the last time Gomez scored against Wolves? If, if that goal against, I think it was a, a think it loss was. at home against when he Wolves. when he lashed in at the street end. Yeah, I, I just. There. But, but, but my point is, is that, okay, they found something that worked and we get into the second half and it seemed, it seemed like the, the idea was, okay, we've got this under control because God knows Everton at 2-1 or money in the bank, right? So uh, let's get, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe generously I can say, you know, there are concerns with depth and blah, blah, blah. And maybe someone's played a little too much and give him rest. Why the oldest dudes on the pitch all stay on there, and yet the youngest, like Anthony Gordon, who is playing really well, had a great assist. What a class assist that was on Damari Gray's goal, by yeah. the way. That kind of that interplay in the box. I don't know. I, I can't. I just, we don't have attacking players who pass well in the box and to have Gordon, you know, start to show these flashes, it's really exciting. And, and, you know, he and gray, I think are, are starting to build something and it's just, it always feels like right when they've stumbled on something or the manager has stumbled on something, a combination that might work or a little bit of good spell of play. He, he decides to outsmart himself. He's like, well, okay, this is this clearly we got to get Gordon off the pitch here. And I don't, again, I'm saying maybe he was hurt, but I don't think he was. And Townsend who again, Townsend came on and he scored the, I guess he scored the game winner. So I know that this, this kind of argument will seem silly, but a guy who is, Coming back early by all accounts because he really forced his way into coming back early from a broken foot, you know, getting heavy minutes away at Hull. Uh, it just felt, you know, for a Gordon who didn't seem to need to come out, whereas Damari Gray looked like he could have come out, a, what, 30 minutes before he he did. But at that point, if you've already taken Gordon out, you're, you're in a position where you can't take them both off. It just, these decisions feel so... Um, hackney, they they feel so overthought, and, and I don't know, I, I don't know if that's just what Everton does to you, or if this is just a manager who just it, it's sort of like a it's sort of like a player who used to have a lot of great pace. They just and I'm not I don't know if Benitez ever did, but he 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 did at one point in his life, but but he just coaches sometimes lose it too and and for whatever reason he always feels with his moves and his other decisions he always feels a step behind i think matt jones and others have said reactive he's very reactive as a manager and that to me is a sure sign of someone who just is just doesn't have that 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 level anymore and yet we are holding on for dear life for reasons that that escape me yeah you're asking that about the um the substitution and is that an everton thing is it but he says thing it brings to mind that it's almost like an iconic picture now of his, I think it was very late on in his Liverpool career, right before he got sacked. And were they playing Birmingham or someone? And they were either drawing or losing. And he brings off Fernando Torres. 
and the camera pans, like zooms in on Torres and Gerard's in the foreground. And you see Torres jogging off like that with his face and he just goes, I don't know. And Gerard just turns around and he's like, what's he doing? And like that was that was like the moment that Liverpool fans went, that's the end for him. That kind of, like you say, 4D chess move. It's like he's going, oh, the opposition won't expect this. It's like, but of course <laughs> as, they won't as, expect it. As, because he points, you, as he points both barrels of the shotgun at his feet, the opposition <laughs> will not expect this. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It, it, oh. But that just just on the uh, the Anthony Gordon substitution, I know Andros Townsend scored the winner, but he came on after sixty six minutes for Gordon. Yeah. Well, so Les, the, here's a time. question. Here's a question for you from the Hull perspective. Do you think Hull was relieved when Anthony Gordon went off at sixty six minutes? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I would have been. Yeah. He was the yeah. only one that, really. He and Gray were the only two that were really yeah, kind of giving him any trouble up front. That substitution made no sense at all from an Everton perspective. Yeah. But even if you think you're going to win the game in 90 minutes, which is a fucking stretch, because yeah. any of us thought at 2-1 we would win that game in 90 minutes, to bring a player off with, what, 24 minutes left? And Your best player off with 24 minutes yeah. left. It's a massive stretch. That's not even a gamble. That's just a bit reckless. Yeah. It's not even conservative. It's, it's, it just does it, you know, could, could, because if you, if you say that that move is conservative, you're almost arguing that there is a thought behind it. And I just don't know what the thought is. It's, it, it's, uh, let me put it this way. Every minute that Anthony, Anthony, uh, Anthony, 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 whatever. Any, every minute that, that Gordon did, you know, didn't play. Call him Tony like Matt does. Tony yeah. Gordon. Let me put it, let me put it, let me put it another way. If you want to, if you want to try to kind of add some kind of, you know, math, you know, almost like mathematical construct to this, every minute that Gordon didn't play in the 90 was a let off for Hull. And every minute that Rondon persisted, despite all available visual evidence was a minute that hurt Everton and also helped Hull again you you've got to ask yourself with with substitutions especially when you have so much like I get that you don't have Calvert-Luna or Charleston but even if you don't want to put Ching Tosin on even if you don't want to put Lewis Dobbin on for you know until the very very end for reasons that I don't understand you still have the ability to, to say, all right, I'm going to take Rondon off. I'll put Gray here. I'll bring on, like, I, I just, I don't understand what the, what, you know, what the, like, what the idea is. Even if it's a bad idea, I could say, well, I don't agree with this. I get where he's coming from, but I don't think it was a good decision. I just don't get where he's coming from on some of these decisions. And, and it, it just, it, it was, especially amidst the backdrop, of a situation with Lewis Dobbin um, where, and again, I know some people will be like, who cares? He's a kid or whatever, but see Everton can't keep losing these talents that they have spent time and resources developing. And the signal, you know, what you say to someone like Lewis Dobbin is you have a future here, you know, you're going to begin to get meaningful time, blah, blah, blah. And you back that up by not playing him and playing a guy in Rondon who will not be here next season. He won't be here next season. What is the point? If he was scoring or a, or even was decent at holdup play like i'm not even i'm not even it's not even about goals even though that ought to be the main thing for a striker it's it's that he doesn't even do any of the other things very well because he's finished he is physically finished and and why we persist with that is is the ultimate sign of hubris from the manager yeah so so devil's advocate here you're in a game against lower league opposition You've got a player who you have tried and trusted. Uh, and as Dan Bain has said on many occasions, sang three times <laughs> as a manager. Um, you play the player who you trust. Okay, fine. You, know, you can see that to a degree. But when that player in question is doing literally nothing at all, he's not making a nuisance of himself. He's got no legs. He can't run. Can't even seem to jump. Doesn't really do anything. I mean, as you said, hubris is the right word for it, Rob. At, at what point does your hubris not like just 
fall in on itself and you think I've got to do something different here, especially when you've got a young player in Lewis Dobbin who can just sign for anyone he wants now and the club make absolutely nothing on him, like the Thierry Small situation. Because this yeah. season we found ourselves spending £17 million on a left-back when we had a perfectly good, well, potentially good left-back yeah. who could and would have come in this season yeah. and got game time. And he's yeah. not. And it's just like, why have we spent £17 million on a player when we didn't really need it if this hadn't transpired in the way it did? Potentially getting the same situation with Lewis Dobbin. And Matt, I thought when he came on, he looked really bright and he did really well, but... He should have had more minutes on the pitch, shouldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He's bright, he's energetic. You know, he's obviously got something to prove, both to himself and to any potential suitors and probably to the club as well. But uh, it's just it's just a sorry waste, it really is. I just I can't I just can't get my head around it at all because I, I'm trying not to be overly negative, but Rondon was just a black hole. Like yeah. it was just I mean, I've seen him have worse games, which is depressing. But, <laughs> you know, the best I can say for him after that game is that every time the ball went to him, he didn't always completely kill the attack. Sometimes he did turn his back and make the right pass and stuff. And But we've got a lot of players who could do that. We didn't need to give up our single striker position to someone who basically is playing the exact same role as Andre Gomez. We may as well just stick a centre midfielder in there and then, yeah, put Dobbin on, start Dobbin. Any other team in the league would have started Dobbin because that's what you do in a cup game. Like yeah. when you've got well, yeah, fixture I mean, congestion you, and rearrangements and stuff. You look at, you Third look round cup game, no less. Yeah, yeah. You, look at the, you look at the team Liverpool put out against us. Yeah. But they were trying to lose that game though. Two years ago, well, they were. And, they, you know, they can't even do that. That's the annoying thing about Liverpool. They try to lose cup games and can't even do that well. Oh God! <laughs> and we fuck that up. It's it, it, we are the, we are pure yin and yang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we tried to lose this one and we won tonight. So but, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's a start, isn't it? But it, it is though, isn't it? You know, we have got these young players. I mean, Alice Sims wasn't on the bench today. I don't know. You know, I have no. And any of this, yeah, and COVID's going around, so Indian, who knows? You know, yeah, it could have been anything, but he wasn't on the bench. But, but Lewis Dobbin was, and surely he deserved more, especially on Rondon's show. Fuck's sake, he was, he was grim, he really yeah. grim. You know, hey, he, if you he, like Rondon, like let's okay, Benitez really likes Rondon, he thinks Rondon has something, whatever, okay. How does he look at a guy that age, even if he likes him and says, you know, I'm going to play you 115 minutes tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the other part that's crazy. I thought, well, Rondon's starting, but maybe this is one of those games where after 60 minutes, he's off and Dobbin comes on. For him to play, for Rondon to play valuable, usable evaluation minutes, but also, frankly, minutes that could be given to a player who could offer i don't know more pace more skill at this stand at this point you know any any other danger to to play rondon it's like we're all sitting here talking about why he plays rondon but think about how many minutes he played rondon tonight a yeah. guy who could who was trying to catch his breath his first few weeks at everton after 10 minutes i it just it it blows my mind that that this is that this is where we're at right now Dubino said Rondon ahead of Dobbin is just utterly, utterly unfathomable. Yeah, fair comment. It really is. Um, and I think Henry said, today's evidence, Michael Keane has a more positive influence up front than Rondon. Yeah. Yeah, at least two really good chances. More than one. Michael Keane's the rare defender that gets better the further he gets away from his uh, own net. <laughs> well, so. Every time Michael Keane got really far forward, I was like, what the fuck? Why is he there? At the, <laughs> the blue, no um, 87. Thierry Small, who has made such an impact. We make plays great before they've even kicked the ball in anger. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I just, I mean, I, I am so happy that Thierry Small can't even get on the bench. At Southampton. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I kind of am. It shows too. what a dick move it was by him and his agents to agitate at age 16. But all I'm saying is we had a player there who had such potential and the club really thought a lot of him. Even Ancelotti played him. 
you know, as, as, as Everton's youngest ever player. So he must have had something about him to, to let him slip through the net, pay 17 million for a, a, another left yeah. back. I mean, people have said, had a bit of a shit debut. I've seen worse. He what, Mikalinko? He's fine. Yeah, he was all right. He, hey, Mikalinko made the mistake early on. Saying he was shit. No, Mikalinko. He stopped the goal on the line. Stopped the goal on the line. Uh, yes, yeah. his mistake conceded the it was his mistake at the beginning. I hadn't even gotten to the game yeah. on yet. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, I, I'm telling you, let's, let's all, let's all take a break from, from being us for, for a little yeah. bit and not, not drag that kid into the ground on his first, <laughs> ga- you know, first game for us. You know what I didn't, I didn't notice Mikalinko for the last 80, 90 minutes of that game. Which to me, for a left back, is is something that I'll take most yeah. times, especially a young left back in a in a cup game. That's fine by me. I didn't really notice him for long stretches there at the end. I was like, has yeah. he been substituted? No, he's just, you know, there's nothing happening down at his, you know, his area of the pitch, and that was fine by me. Yeah, yeah. just doing what left backs do. And in response yeah. to that comment, Les, I would just bring up Calvert Lewin. Because Calvert Lewin isn't the player he is today. If we didn't, okay, it was often necessity. But time and time again, he get on the pitch. He might get a start here and there. He get twenty minutes at the end. We kept having to play him, even though he was really, really struggling in some games. Yeah. Yeah. And he was being carried at times. People wrote him off. To, you know, he's shite. He's crap. You know, he's worth every penny that one million pounds. I, I wrote him off. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I look. I you should be honest about our takes. I wrote Absolutely, him off yeah. because. Yeah, yeah. I thought we've seen enough. He's just not ever going to be a scorer. And and he clearly, again, that's why I love Calvert Lewin. He is a completely self-made man in terms of his career because I don't, I still don't think he's overly skilled, but he has worked so hard on the things that he is not good at to get a little bit better and the things he's good at to make them, you know, much better, borderline great. And then the, the endeavor that not having him for half a season, I think we have to acknowledge is just a, a giant loss. Obviously, yeah, yeah. you know, you can say what you want and believe me, I, I, no one is more disappointed about the, the curse on Yeri Mina's body than I am, but not having a, you have seen, I, I think more than anything defensively over these last couple of months, we have seen what not having Yeri Mina in that back four has meant for our, our just God awful center half situation. Yeah. So, so I, I, the, if I turn this conversation towards the end, towards positives, I want to, I, I want to see what happens when I don't, I'm not relying on Yeri Mina, but I do imagine he will be back at some point for, you know, hopefully a game or two or whatever. I don't even like, I'm afraid to, to have faith because I love him. I love him. I love his talent, but you know, you can't rely on him. Calvert Lewin, you know, the one, while it was crazy to me to, to run Rondon into the ground for 115 minutes, I also conversely can can credit the manager and or the medical setup, this new and improved medical setup, apparently, uh, that kept Calvert-Lewin from playing tonight when maybe he could have, uh, but but they need to be, you know, we've seen what happens when they tried to throw, you know, Yeri Mina and others back in right after a soft, you know, tissue injury that, that was significant. Yeah. It's just, it's not wise. They, they did, they played Calvert-Lewin, by the way, the full 90 minutes when he returned, which I thought was a little rife with danger. I thought he was going to play 70, 75 minutes. But what I'm hoping is that the return of a few key guys, we even talked about Richarlison, who to me is the straw that stirs this whole drink. We need him back. If you can get those players back, um, I think that what you did see tonight, if you want to focus on some of the, not just tonight, but the good developments recently, and believe me, I am squinting like fucking crazy to, to talk like this. Anthony Gordon is becoming a consistent net positive. I think we can all agree on that shot. Uh, and and I, I just wanted to see more of him tonight. I think he is a, he, he needs to be just fed minutes as much as possible. I want to know by the end of the season, what I really think of Anthony Gordon as a full-time premier league player on some level, John Joe Kenny, I believe me, insert your own joke here. Not only has he not been bad for like four straight games, he's been, He's been pretty good, pretty decent, like maybe yeah. decent plus. Like I'm afraid to go too far, but that was a lovely assist for Gomez's goal tonight. Did, I think two games. 
two assists in two games. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, my, my uh, God, that's, you know, it's, it's the Thomas Rodriguez uh, on the right uh, again. Uh, it was, that was nice to see. Yeah. And, and the irony of this, of course, is that, he would be so Everton for John Joe Kennedy to suddenly start being like if John Joe Kenny could had been playing like this as just kind of an average six and a half to seven sort of player for a period of even a few months. You wonder what the what decisions are made over the last you know year or so about the right back position. Um, you know, or, or not more, more, more recently, you know, now we bought Patterson, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind Kenny sticking around if he can be this kind of stopgap every well, once in a while, change up sort of option. This, this is the thing with a player like John Joe Kenny, you bring through, he's a Kirkdale lad, Evertonian. You kind of think, would he be happy to just be the sort of second string right back come in as and when he's needed? play some cup games because you do need players like that in your squad. Yes, yes. Or, or does he want to move on and do some, you know, yeah. a good championship player? It's up to him at this point because I do think he could be, you know, given all evidence that's, that's gone on the past few games, he's really good against Chelsea as well. Mm-hmm. He's got it within him to be a decent right back. Maybe just a backup. I don't think he can do it. Average. I'd take average. That, yeah. That's been Everton's biggest, if you guys think about it, as much as... conscious. We, we talk about all the money that's been wasted and God knows we hear that every broadcast, but, but part of Everton's sins have, have been not just that certain uh, big money star players haven't played well enough, but that the, the, the next, the next option behind them is so bad. Well, Whereas if Everton exactly. just had average premier league replacement level players in some of these positions then you don't have the strain on a Seamus Coleman that he has endured for however long you don't have what what I look I love Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison there's a great argument to be made they've still played too many games over the last couple of years uh you know in the premier and I know you've got to rely on them and, and I know it's a balancing act but but even just having average performing play like if John Joe Kenny could just be this uh, if Tom Davis could just be this, yes, there is a role for those guys, especially, you know, mer- you know, especially guys from, from, you know, the city. I mean, they, they, they absolutely have to be part it's of it. It's and Osman, isn't it? It is. It is it, it, oh my God. It is Hibbison Osman. <laughs> it's, it's guys, it's a reboot. <laughs> oh God. Yes. That would be I great. Here, if it was. Everton 2009 reboot. Uh, yeah. Ian Clark said in the comments, Maybe took Gordon off the same for Tuesday. Maybe that game might be off anyway. Yeah. Um, and um, Ian also said, uh, Gordon is not the first name on a team sheet player. I think he is, isn't he? I think yeah. he's making that after Pickford, yeah. his own after Pickford. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd play Pickford as captain, to be honest. Not. I would play midfield. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, I, think, I think Gordon is sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Gordon. Gordon. I, I was, was just going to Gordon played himself in, into that position now, where he is—he um, he is one of the first names on the team sheet, isn't he? That's his position now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his to lose. Everton have to hit on Gordon, I and mean, they have to. You know, that's the the thing that makes people crazy about City is that not only do they have all the money, but they're also hitting on all their young players. It makes it's just, it's because of development and investment of time and resources and all of that. Well, Everton, because they don't have as much money, they've got to hit on guys like Gordon. And the only the, again, I, I keep coming back to this. I, I've said it so many times. Everyone's sick of me saying it. This notion that young players have to be protected from themselves is ridiculous. Yes. They need to be played once. They once they can physically, you know, can can hack even just the basics, you've got to play them because playing them and letting them struggle is the only way they're going to learn. And you know, you can say iron sharpens iron or whatever, you know, cliche phrase you want to use, but that's what Gordon is better right now because he's been getting minutes. And I, I don't know that he would have been getting minutes without all the injuries to Richarlison and Calvert Lewin and others, yeah. you know, like, like that has, and, and obviously a Wobi being a, you know, kind of a, a nothing presence this season. And so, but he's gotten them. That's why the Dobbin omission makes me crazy in a game like this. I, these players, 
need to play uh, and and the, the, this idea that playing them is going to keep you from you know going to automatically relegate you know what's automatically going to relegate Everton is that we play Rondon heavy minutes uh as, as option what's going to relegate us is that you know we lose uh one center half and everything falls apart I was told reliably that this manager could sort of defense it's not playing young players that's the problem and I think that Everton from a big picture standpoint a, you know, if you had a real director of football set up or you had other decision makers of the club, you know, there's got to be more of a push to say that, you know, the short term short termism of someone like Benitez does not match the long term needs of this club to learn what it's got with its young players. And, and, and again, Gordon excites me. I think he can continue to get better. I'm not saying he's going to ever be a superstar or anything, but Everton don't need him to be one. They need him to be a good player. And if he could be a good yeah. player. Everton haven't had enough good players to go along with their, you know, occasionally great ones. But yeah, Andrew, Andrew Milton made a good point. He said, um, Brantway's had a rough debut, but he's grown immensely. So in case anyone doesn't remember Brantway's debut, he came on against Wolves, gave a free kick away within about 10 seconds of being on the pitch and Wolves scored from it. Um, but then after that, he, you know, he, he picked up and he, and yeah. he does look, given his performance at Chelsea, he does look like a player who we can hopefully in future flash in a centre back, completely trust in that position. He looks like he's going to be a player, but he did have a twat of a debut, to be fair. Can I hear Rob? Oh, Rob, you're on mute, think. Oh, sorry. Brantway uh, was supposed to get a start after Chelsea. That, that was the most uh, – he was supposed to con, you know, keep his place after that game too. And what's unfortunate is that, you know, he, I guess it was COVID and then all the, the, the uh, postponements. I, I, I worry that, that, you know, it's halted a little bit of that momentum though. Matt, to your point before, do you feel like we have momentum? I feel like you have to win two games or string together two performances in a row before you can, as a player or as a team, say that you've got momentum. Yeah, momentum, but I do think Branthwaite, like Branthwaite excites me because of all of our center halves, he has what I would say, and this is a real compliment, believe it, believe me, he has the least liabilities. If you look at his skill set, I think he has the least liabilities of any of our center halves. And what I mean by that is that um, he has, well, and, and Yeri Mina, maybe again, when he's not injured, but I, I think that Branthwaite has better he has the size you want but he's also looks very he does not look nervous on the ball he keeps his composure and having a guy that is both mobile and big i love godfrey but you can't play a six foot center half and ben godfrey with another six foot or five foot eleven nathan holgate they've got to be paired with i guess you know michael keen in theory but michael keen is scared of life and so he's not really going to be a long-term option i think but michael keen has managed to stick around no matter what but i do think that i I do think Branthwaite getting a chance, getting again, going back to it, young players getting chances is going to be the thing that is going to keep me interested in a season like this. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I will wrap this up soon, but I've just got a comment in from Jeff. Actually, first off, Neil H. Can't believe less is drinking Moretti. I'm sorry, I bought it for Christmas. It was cheap in Sainsbury's. I didn't want it because of Ancelotti. I'm with you on that. But was... um, Jeff Thompson said the plays Benitez has signed have been good, except Rondon. The players were here before him are the issue. They panic and make mistakes. Now, I think that's a fair point. I think the 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 recruitment, well, Benitez has been here, and even in this window, has been really good. I think we signed good players on reasonable wages, but not very much money. Even yeah. the last two players, I know I know I said about Thierry Small and we're signing left back for 17 million, but we don't particularly need. But if we get rid of Luca Dean for 20 million and we sign Patterson. And uh, Mikhailenko for thirty million combined. Their ways is less than Luka Dean. I can see value in that because Luka Dean yeah. twenty eight, nearly twenty eight until he's twenty nine, which is soon. Um, and this is the last window we've got. Yeah, for good. I, yeah. Less, so I, think I think that's a fair point. The football's been shit. Yeah, that's the big problem. But the recruitment has been good, and it's it's really messing with me head because I think on the recruitment level. We're going in the right direction, weirdly, for some reason now, on a footballing level. We're just fucking slipping by the wayside massively. You better hope, though, that these players, because Townsend's a short-termer, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. But, hey, you know. But just, he's on a free. He's on a free. Exactly. exactly. It, it, um, you know, players like that, it, it's fine. 
hey, take some of that money that you save from Luca Dean and in, in addition to your investments and, and give De, give Damari Gray an extension now before it gets more. It's only getting more expensive every 100%. single week. Um, I would just give him some some job security and a good wage, but it's going to yeah. it's going to his price is just continuing to go up. Which, he's he's you know, already looking like a player that's too good for us, isn't he? Yeah. You, well, that exactly. Well, that's the thing. Damari Gray, despite the fact that he is, has, you know, had a bit of a journey over the last couple of years. Remember, we talked about this at the beginning of the season. He's 25. He's not yeah. an old player that, you know, he would, this is, you know, Everton basically took a flyer by saying, hey, he's 25 and he's got this skill set. Maybe we can, you know, hit a home run with this. And they did. Uh, they need to now take that win and make it a real win by locking him down to, you know, a decent contract. Now, again, uh, I know he's on like a three year or whatever, but you probably are going to have to improve his terms to keep him happy. Uh, I think that'll be key for sure. But Les, to your point about recruitment, it's a small sample size so far. Um, you know, let's, let's see, cause uh, let, let's see how this goes. I mean, we don't know anything about Mikalinko or Patterson uh, though. I I'm obviously excited about the theory of their potential, but you know, it's Everton, but I would say that, that, there, there does come a point where you still have to ask the question, does good recruitment paired with, you know, piss poor management, what does that equal? You know, is that a, is that just a, is that a net, a neutral, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if you really gain much. Is it any kind of some game, but um, I hope that these are the types of players because uh, we hear this all the time that, well, these players are bought by this manager for this plan and for this scheme. You got to hope that these players that are young enough can still be molded in a variety of philosophies and formations that we're not faced with the situation when we replace Benitez eventually, hopefully, uh, that we're, you know, we're sticking another manager with a set of players that don't fit his ideas. I think Mikalinko and uh, Patterson seem flexible, uh, more balanced offensively and defensively, but I guess we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it, it sound is in the right direction. We'll, we'll wrap this up now, but I do feel like this game has raised possibly more questions than it's answered. Um, yeah. Everton are still a bit shit, it seems, because we kind of laboured against a not very good whole side. Yeah. Um, but we did get through, and to go on that cliche, we are still in the hat for the fourth round. When, as people have said, we will inevitably get Chelsea or City or big red, or bigger red away, who knows. Um, Matt, what, what do you think? Have you got anything to build on with this, or do we really just literally have to take every single game in isolation until he says goes? It's horrible. <sighs> Trying to put a positive spin on it, I think, I feel like there's more on the basis of that game, and in mainly individual performances, for us to build on and be hopeful about than, say, four games ago. Yeah. Which with all the postponements was probably like September, but um, so yeah, we've got to be positive, you know. We still won the game and everything. This it's been a bit doom and gloom, this, but I mean, we don't do these things to sit here and go, Oh, we won, so let's just talk about the scoreline and nothing else. Like, we do these things because we talk about the trajectory and the journey, yeah. and currently, the trajectory we're on is like a very, very almost perfectly flat line, maybe a slight slope upwards. So, like, let's I see how digging, it goes. I'm digging that positivity. The slight incline? Yeah. I'm having a problem. Are you, are you there? Yeah. Am I there with the incline, you mean? With, or the, the... with, the, with the slight incline? No, oh. I... I, again, I you know let's 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 uh, have some modest uh, goals here. Like let's win two games in a row. Uh, let's do that, and then or or hey, I'll, I'll even be I'll even be uh, you know even easier. Get get a draw against Leicester. You know, like do get just stop this bleeding for more than you know a game at a game here and a game there because that's relegation for him. Um, again, I know this is a cup game and all that, but you know, you hope that that a result like this 
can turn into something. I just, I think that's the thing is that when you saw the, the, the buttons that were pushed tonight, you, you do wonder how many of the guys that got put on in some of these situations like Abomin are ever going to play in the league, you know, like Decore, I, I, I don't want to sound the alarm, but Decore has been kind of meh for the last couple yes, months. Yes, no one, wants, yes. and we all love Decore. And I, I, I believe in his character and his talent. I just, He's been struggling a little bit. Don't know if he's carrying a knock. I mean, but but again, having said all of that, I tried to spin it positive at the end. I I want to see a little more before I'm even willing to say that this flat line is anything but a flat line. But um, th- there are some really promising parts to work with at Everton that, you know, as much as we all say all the players are terrible all the time, and I get it, I feel that way about most of them. But there are definitely some really bright, real bright spots here. Uh, there's some real opportunities that, that to, to not have Mikolinko and Patterson be poisoned by the culture that came before them. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I hope that they, they seem like characters that have real mental resolve. Uh, they're going to need it and we're going to need it because this is going to probably, and I never said this before, but this is the first time I've really felt like there is a real chance that we are sweating it out the last month or so of the season. So um, I think we got to strap in and get ready, but there is something to work with here if we can stop with all the self-inflicted wounds yeah i think so yeah that's uh, yeah 100% agree with all that uh, i'll finish on a couple of comments jeff thompson holgate toshin kenny delft etc will be gone uh soon i think their contacts are up this summer uh, and we can start to move on it's a fair point i think as Keith said on the spaces before the the, the wages that delft sigurdsson and Someone else, a Wobi, maybe. Yeah, but we still need bodies to replace them. We well, we do. But just the, losing them as players is not a net positive. Well, I don't know. I think if you can play some sort of functional players in their positions, then it kind of is. Because what they are offering at the minute is is a bit of a net zero. Hey, Les, there's a fair subset of the the listening audience that equates Everton's uh, account accounting and checkbook health with their own somehow. So I feel like, you know, maybe it is a net positive that if those guys are off the wage bill that I'm going to suddenly feel a little freer to order an extra pizza each week at home or something because my finances are a little bit more in order than they once were. You know what? If those players are off the wage bill, I will feel a little bit more comfortable with with the best part of a grand <laughs> kids season tickets. Yeah. Um, uh. Uh, Ian Clark said Dublin looking decent, a bit like James Vaughan. I will have that comparison. Um, Ian Clark, friends, okay. friends is a cheat. That's fair enough. Two. I remember, but if it was three, that's fine. Um, I've had a grudge against Kevin Friend ever since in our game against Blackpool. The 5-3, was it? He disallowed yes. a Louis Sahar goal because there was a foul on the build-up on Louis Sahar and he pulled it back for a free kick. Oh. What the hell? I had forgotten that. I have this great ability to forget uh, a lot of everything. <laughs> Louis Sahar scored, he scored four in that game as well, didn't he? scored four, yeah. The only oh time he ever God. scored more than two in a Premier League game. Yeah. Or any game. Luke, um, I, I had some crazy games like that for us. He every once in a while, speaking of a guy who's injured too much, but my God, he was fun sometimes, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Yeah. And Jabino said, uh, need to put Rafala out to pass it at Thornton Huff, which I, I can't complain with. I'll, I will personally drive him from Caldy and put past it at Thornton Huff, which is just from what you were saying before. From what you're saying before, it might be an idea to kick him upstairs, make him the director of football. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Someone said that on the comments. Yeah, make him the make him the because he, he, he can fail up. Yeah. He'll just yeah. I mean he'll, he'll fail upwards and then then Matt's line will go like this. <laughs> I mean the, the, the takeaway from tonight is the toffees are through in the hat for the next round. When's the draw? Be safe. Uh, be tomorrow, will it? After tomorrow night. Monday. Or After. either way, we're getting a twat of a draw away. But we're in the hat. You've got to be in it to win it. Kind yeah. of. Um, but I think that game posed probably more questions than it answered. Um, but there we go. That is the nature of Everton. Um, Rob, thanks for joining us. Matt, yeah. same. Uh, thanks to everyone who's got involved. We will have a build-up to potentially the Leicester game, which might be called off. Because they've cried COVID after all the players being at the start, but that is another story entirely. Uh, so our next game could be Norwich away, which does seem like a massive six-pointer as much Ooh. 
really, really don't want at this point in the season. But it might be, and it, you know, that's just where we are. But uh, if nothing else, Bon Tobbies is a massive roller coaster. Um, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Everton have won. We need to be more happy about <laughs> it. It's I'm hard happy. to be dead made up. We fucking won a game, which is, you know, the few and far between. Fine. So let's just enjoy the rest of the weekend and, um, and pray for a nice draw. Maybe Shrewsbury at home in the next leg. That would be nice. Um, we'll speak to you soon. Up the softies. Join the BD team in Columbus, Nebraska. We're hiring for multiple positions with sign-on bonus eligibility. Our comprehensive benefits plan starts for all employees on their first day, including low or no-cost insurance plans for select positions, career growth opportunities, and more. BD is made for what's next in health and your career. Apply today at jobs.bd.com. That's jobs.bd.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.